Hey everybody, welcome to the Wake Up and Lead podcast. I am your host, Hampton Dorch, and I'm fired up about this one today. I don't have years and years of experience of building gritty leaders by any means, but I got the opportunity to speak on this topic. And so I did a lot of studying and research in preparation for it and am just really fascinated by what I learned. If you are listening to this and you are not leading people formally, um, stick with me here because a lot of this actually comes down to just how to be a gritty person yourself that hopefully others around you will want to emulate. Um, and so whether you're leading people or not, like formally, this is going to be helpful for you, I believe. So the company I work for, WildSpark, we do leadership development for uh, companies of all different sizes and uh, many different industries. And uh, this is something that's coming up a lot. I mean, we have weak leaders in our world today, and that is a big reason for this great resignation that we're experiencing. I mean, people don't leave their jobs. They leave their boss. We know that. Um, and oftentimes people become a boss or a manager because they uh, have been around in the company for a long time uh, or they were really good at an individual job, but that doesn't mean that they actually know how to lead people well. And so um, one of the companies that we work with extensively is Chick-fil-A. We work with a few hundred different operators, a few hundred different stores around the country. And recently, I actually traveled to Savannah, Georgia, um, where the Chick-fil-A owner operators in the D.C. metro area were on a retreat, a yearly retreat where um, they just go and learn from each other. And as a vendor, WildSpark got to go um, and get to meet owner operators and uh, serve them. And we were asked to lead a breakout session in this conference on building gritty leaders. And Chick-fil-A, people always ask me the question, oh my gosh, how does Chick-fil-A do it? They have 16-year-olds that work so hard, that smile, that serve people well. Like I can't even get my 30-year-olds to do that. How do they do it? Well, I can tell you how they do it. They are in the business of people and they do it through chicken sandwiches. Our team got to go to uh, the support center, the Chick-fil-A support center, and hear from a few of their executives recently. And they have never been more intentional about their vision and their mission and their values. And here's the thing. Most companies say that, hey, I want to be the Chick-fil-A of XYZ industry, but the problem is they want the revenue and the growth and they're not willing to put in the work. And the work is all about people development which is what we get to do at WildSpark. And here's the thing about Chick-fil-A. While they still are one of the best companies in the world, while they still do have teenagers that work really hard and are exceptional, over the last couple of years due to COVID, they've had um, some troubles just with staffing issues and things of that nature, just like everyone is having. And so what they wanted to um, hear is how can we build gritty leaders? Because the definition of grit is passion and perseverance for long-term goals. I think a lot of times we can work hard for short stints, but the grittiest people in the world are the kinds of people that just don't give up. And so I did a lot of research. I uh, went to the internet and found uh, David Goggins, who I'm not going to talk a lot about him today, but if you're on social media, you're going to see short clips of him running shirtless. He's jacked and shredded and he'll run, you know, 100 miles and while he's running he'll have somebody video and he'll basically just like yell at you and tell you to be better and honestly his book it's called can't hurt me i um i read it and 30 percent of that book shot me between the eyes and i will take it to the grave with me because what i learned is that 
we are so much more capable than we think we are of doing things. A lot of it comes down to how bad do you want it and how hard are you willing to work um, and the mindset that you have. And so David Goggins is tougher than anybody when it comes to persevering and pushing through and not giving up and quitting. Um, but when it comes to leadership and character, character is plural. So if grit is the only characteristic that you have, um, you're going to turn a lot of people off uh, because people don't want to just be around the person that all they do is is talk about being extremely intense and how bad everyone around them is and you know how much harder they work than everybody. And like that's not necessarily the kind of person that you want to be led by. I think there's a lot to learn from David Goggins. And if I got the opportunity to meet him one day, I would ask him all types of questions and learn from him. But um, there are some things that I won't get to in his book that he just says that I'm like, I'm not necessarily sure I agree with that. But in my research, I just wanted to see, you know, what's out there. You know, if you type in grit, who's the grittiest person in the world? Like you're going to see a lot about David Goggins. You'll see his book. You'll see the motivational videos. Um, but that's not what I'm going to spend a lot of time on. <laughs> but I am pretty fascinated. I, I don't know if I'll like highly recommend his book. Uh, but I, I do think there is a lot that we can learn from him when it just comes to putting in the work. He says that most people don't get past 40% of their potential because they quit too early and aren't willing to work hard enough. So where I spent the bulk of my time studying grit was actually by reading a book called Grit, written by Angela Duckworth. She's really the thought leader and the guru around raising gritty children, building gritty people, becoming a gritty person, creating a culture of grit. And so I'm going to talk about all of that today from her but here's why this is important. <laughs> I've said working hard, people need to work hard. Grit's about working hard several times. And it's funny because I did some research and basically every generation says that the generation behind them has it easy and they're entitled and they don't know how to work hard. Every single time this new generation comes into the working force, people say that. However, <laughs> I will say that that my generation, I, I'm on the back end of, of a millennial. Some say I would be a Gen Z, but this new Gen Z generation it is pretty clear that there is some um, lack of hard work, uh, generically speaking, that people are seeing. I think when you've grown up and one of your first toys was an iPad, or every time you're playing a video game, when you die or you lose, you just get to start over. Or instead of going to Blockbuster and like getting a movie to rent, um, which I like barely remember doing, but I still did that. Um, you can just go to Netflix and start a movie. And if you don't like it, you switch to a new movie. And the whole time, of course, you're scrolling on your phone to always have entertainment. And and there's no there's no time for boredom. None of us are ever bored. Um, our brains are always stimulated because of this digital age. We're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and we get all this instant gratification. And I am not here by any means to like shoot down this young younger generation, which really is mine. I'm just bringing that up. And so much of it isn't their fault. It's just technology came out so quickly that we didn't even really have time to do the study and the research. And so, to some extent, some of the damage is already done here. And so um, building gritty leaders is not just some easy button. Becoming a gritty person, there isn't really an easy button to do that. But hopefully what I talk about today will be helpful. Quick story. So um, I was talking to a, a 16, 17-year-old the other day uh, that works at Walmart. And um, first, my first question is, well, why don't you work at Chick-fil-A? Because they're going to develop you and really care about you at a high level. And they didn't want to. So that was fine. But I said, well, I will say this. There's a Publix across the street. Why would you not work there? Um, like they probably, maybe they pay similar, but I know Publix is a great 
a, a, a great store. They're really clean. They have great customer service. I know they develop people well, or at least have to better than Walmart. No offense to Walmart. I shop there a lot. Um, and this individual said, great, great kid, by the way, but they said, well, working at Publix is hard. At Walmart, I can just be on my phone um, and sit in the, ba- in the break room and um, I, I just don't have to do as much. And that is, that's what we're up against. Even some of the greatest kids, it's just like working at Walmart's easier. And to an extent, it's like, sure, you might make the same amount of money, but the developmental opportunity to work at a Publix is going to serve you so much better in the long run. In other words, doing the harder thing is going to make your life so much better because it's going to develop character, yet many are not willing to do it. Um, Maggie Malone, she will be on a podcast here soon. She works at Wild Spark. Uh, she's an Olympian. She's been in the Olympics three times, um, and she's going to win the gold in Paris. Uh, mark my words. Uh, she throws the javelin, uh, holds the uh, female American record for the longest javelin throw. It actually just got broken. She's going to break it again, though. But anyways, Maggie's amazing. Um, she has a lot of uh, contacts uh, that are uh, college coaches. Uh, she went to Texas A&M, and she talks to a lot of college coaches, and they're just talking about with this whole transfer portal and these NIL deal- deals and everything. It's just giving – uh, these 18 to 22 year olds in in an easy an easy way out. If you want to transfer, you just quit. You just leave. You, you she when she was in college, you had to go to the coach's office and have an adult conversation with them and make your case for why you need to leave. Now, um, kids aren't working hard. If they have a bad practice, if the coach pushes them hard or ticks them off, they just quit and go somewhere new. And so I think that that is just what we're dealing with. Um, there is a lack of grit, a lack of perseverance. And, um, you know, one thing that I've realized is maybe if you're the college athlete that gets to leave, or maybe if you're the kid that gets to quit your job um, right now, that sounds great because you can go and do whatever you want. But here's the thing. Somebody is held accountable for you. So the coach of the team or the manager of the store, um, you know, they have gotten themselves in that leadership position. And if you ever as a kid, want to be in that in that leadership position one day when you're a leader, when you're a boss, when you're running a company, when you're a coach, you can't quit. Now, if you do, I mean, that, that's going to be really bad, but it's much harder to quit. And what I'm seeing is the more and more that you quit, uh, the more jobs that you have on your resume, um, the more that's going to show people, oh, this isn't somebody that's going to stick around. This is somebody that's serving themselves. This is somebody that leaves when things get hard. And so that is why Chick-fil-A wanted me to talk about building gritty leaders because this is a problem that we have in our society today. And hopefully as we jump in now, I'll be able to add a little bit of value. Duckworth's definition for grit. So grit is passion and perseverance for long-term goals. One way to think about grit is to consider what it is not. Grit is not talent. Grit is not luck. Grit is not how intensely for the moment you want something. Instead, grit is about having what some researchers call an ultimate concern a goal you care about so much that it organizes and gives meaning to almost everything you do. And grit is holding steadfast to that goal, even when you fall down, even when you screw up, even when progress toward that goal is halting or slow. Talent and luck matter to success, but talent and luck are no guarantee of grit. And in the very long run, I think grit may matter at least as much, if not more. Remember this, talent times effort equals skill. Skill times effort equals achievement. So effort counts twice. Let me read that again. Talent times effort equals skill. 
Skill times effort equals achievement. So yes, talent is super important. Yes, skill is super important, but effort is really um, what leads to so much success. I mean, there are very few people that are just like world-class talents. Most of the people that find a lot of success is because they work really hard. My track coach used to say, we all have two Ps. One is preparation and one is potential. We can't really control the potential, but we can put as much work as we want to into the preparation, which I think is the most important part. I'm going to give us a reminder of what the growth mindset really is. So let me start with a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset is limiting. Uh, it avoids challenges. Um, it ignores feedback. Um, they're threatened by other success. Uh, they desire to look smart. Um, a fixed mindset gives up easily. And um, a fixed mindset believes that one has fixed abilities. This has been me for so long in my life, and I still struggle with it, with it today. I try to have a growth mindset, which is freedom. So a growth mindset perseveres in the face of failures. Um, effort is required to build new skills is what they believe. It finds inspiration in others' success. Uh, someone with a growth mindset accepts criticism. They have a desire to learn, and they, they have a desire and believe that they can build abilities. If you're a leader, I'm going to talk about how to build a culture of grit. Let me start with a story. Francesca Martinez and Steve Young. Two completely different people with two completely different backgrounds, um, but both were extremely gritty people. So Francesca Martinez, um, when she was 16 years old, her parents let her drop out of school and go clubbing on the weekends and do whatever she wanted. Um, but they were very, very supportive of her. And they essentially said, go pursue your dream. And if it doesn't work out, we will reassess. And then Steve Young became one of the best um, pro quarterbacks of all time. And he actually tried to quit playing football when he was in college. And his dad said, you will not quit no matter what. You will continue. And here's what happened to both of them. Even though Steve Young's parents said you can never quit, and Francesca's parents said that um, she can quit whenever she wanted, but she can reassess, they both turned out to be extremely gritty people. So Francesca um, is a very, very famous and successful comedian. Um, but here's the thing. As her parents um, supported her and all that she did, she eventually became very gritty. She would drive four hours daily, almost daily. And by the way, she has um, cerebral palsy. And so she couldn't drive. So she would have to find a ride to go four hours to speak 10 minutes for free in a comedy club. And by the way, she had to do hours of warm up with her mouth before because of her cerebral palsy. And she cold called so many theaters and everything to try to get gigs. And over the years worked so hard that she finally made it and did incredibly well. And then Steve Young, by the way, um, even though he wanted to quit from an early age, I mean, his parents made him work really hard in school. He was at church on Sunday and Wednesday. He had to work really hard at football practice and he didn't do well when he was in college at first. And he tried to quit and his dad was like, you're not going to quit. I'm going to push you no matter what. Um, and then he ended up becoming an amazing quarterback. So both totally different backgrounds with totally different parent and leadership styles, but both turned out very well. Here's the thing though. In the book, Angela talks about once she dug in a little bit more um, and uh, talked to the parents of each, she found something interesting and similar about both of them. Both were supportive and demanding. So there's this grid that I wish I could show you. If you read the book, you'll see it. But um, it talks about supportive um, and unsupportive parents. It talks about undemanding and demanding parents. And it says that if you are supportive and demanding, that is wise parent, parenting and leadership. 
Um, so read the book and you can learn more about that. Here's the thing. Here's what it comes down to. Truth without love destroys. Love without truth deceives. Truth and love develop. So it kind of seems like um, Francesca's parents were pretty heavy on the loving end. Like, we will love you no matter what. Um, and then Steve's parents were pretty heavy on the truth end. Like, uh, you know, if, if, if you quit, like, we're going to be unhappy with you. Like, you have to keep going. But here's the thing. Francesca's parents also told her the truth. If you read a little bit more, it talks about how her parents kind of had some rules at the same time, even though um, they were flexible with what she did with their life. And then Steve's parents, at the end of the day, always told him how much they loved him. And so it's that balance of truth and love, that balance of being supportive and demanding with your children and with the people that you're leading that can lead to building a culture of grit. Here's another great quote from the book. One thing to note here is that not all children or not all people that you're leading will psychologically or with psychologically wise parents will grow up to be gritty because not all psychologically wise parents model grittiness. So Angela says, if you want to bring forth grit in your child, first ask yourself how much passion and perseverance you have for your own life goals. Then ask yourself, how likely is it that your approach to parenting or leading of people encourages your child or the person you're leading to emulate you? If the answer to the first question is a great deal and your answer to the second is very likely, you're already parenting for grit. So Angela then adds, it's not just mothers and fathers who lay the foundation for grit. There's a larger ecosystem of adults that extends beyond the nuclear family. All of us can play our part in being supportive but demanding mentors to other people's children and have a huge impact. There are some brilliant anecdotes in the book that later support this. Practical idea um, that you can use for leading your family or your team. It is called the hard things rule. So there's four steps to it. So everybody does one hard thing. Two, you can quit, but not at any time. Three, you get to pick your hard thing and four, um, at some point, you have to commit to something for two years. So let's go back to number one. So everybody does one hard thing. So if you're leading a team, everyone, including you, chooses a hard thing. And so maybe that is running a half marathon or learning to play guitar or reading a certain amount of books or going to the gym a certain amount of times a week. I don't know. Pick something. Um, one, and if it's a hard thing, that means it has to require deliberate practice. That's the definition for a hard thing. Two, you can quit, but not at any time. You must do whatever that hard thing is for a certain season of time. Maybe it's a year. Uh, maybe it's six months. You all have to agree that you're going to do something for at least um, a season or a year. You get to pick your hard thing. So nobody's going to make you choose what it is, um, but you have to pick it. And then the two-year commitment thing, there's just a lot of data in the book that shows that people that stick to things for more than a year, two years, three years, they end up finding... Um, really a passion for it because they actually finally get good at it. So you've got to pick something and go with it for at least two years. So a lot of parents are doing this with their children. But as I was talking at the Chick-fil-A conference, a lot of the Chick-fil-A owner operators came to me and said, maybe this is something that I can do and actually try with my team. An example of a leader that built a lot of grit among his people or his team is Anson Durantz. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but he was the female uh, coach for the or the coach for the UNC North Carolina 
women's soccer team, sorry. <laughs> and he coached there 31 years. And out of those 31 years, he won 22 national championships. I mean, that, that is just unbelievable, unheard of uh, in sports. And, and one of the things he often said is that talent is common. What you do to invest in talent is the critical final measure of greatness. And so you may, you all may not feel like talent is common. You can't find all the great people, but there really is a lot of talented people. But you, it's on you as the leader, parent, coach, mentor to invest in that talent. And, and you can only do so much at the end of the day. They have to take ownership in the growth and development. But it is on you to model grittiness, to invest in them and help them do that. One of the ways he did that um, is by having core values that he really made sure his team lived by. So they actually had 12 core values. Six of them were on teamwork and six of them were on grit. And as a college athlete, you're there for four years. And so every year, his athletes memorized three new quotes. And each quote had to do with one of the 12 core values. And they would stand up in front of the team and recite them to everyone. Um, and just what that did to have somebody actually memorize the core value, it really helped them live that out and make decisions through it. And again, six of them were on grit. And you can read more about that in the book. Uh, I think it just really, he said, we're not just going to have these on our wall. We're all going to learn them and take ownership of them. So I think that if you're a leader, if you're leading an organization, I see this all the time. There's so many organizations that have core values or a mission statement on their website, but do their people even know them? Do they ever talk about them? If you want to build gritty leaders, maybe one of your core values is perseverance or hard work or passion. I don't know. Make that one of your core values. And a way to replicate those um, is to talk about them often. What gets celebrated gets reproduced. So at WildSpark, we have every quarter a vision, mission, values day, like a half day. Oftentimes it's a full day where we literally go around and affirm each other based on our core values. So relationships is one of them. Enthusiasm is another one. So I will look at someone in the eyes and say that I saw that you worked really hard on this and your enthusiasm shined. And because of that, um, it just really encouraged me. And I just want to let you know that over this last quarter, you've done that well. So what would it look like if you want to instill grit in your people to make that part of your core values and talk about it often? Maggie Malone earlier that works with us on the Wild Sport team. She's an Olympian. And when I um, led this breakout session at the conference, she was there with me and shared just some awesome stories of her own personal experience. But one person she looks up to a lot is Allison Felix. She's the most decorated track athlete um, of all time. And at the end of her career, here's what she said. Here's what I can tell you about that journey. There have been more tears than celebrations, more doubt than confidence, more prayer than trash talking. What I've learned is that you have to keep going. Just don't quit. When you get knocked down, get back up. Ask for help because you'll never do it alone. Take small steps towards your passion and you'll end up in your purpose. Be brave with your life because you'll have an impact on people that you never thought was possible. So this is the part in the show where I'm going to try to sell you Wild Spark. This will be really brief, but Allison Felix, as great as she was, she did not go through everything that she did alone. She had a team around her. She had tons of coaches supporting her. And that's how I'm going to try to weave Wild Spark into this. I think when it comes to growing and developing as leaders, building better habits, becoming gritty, persevering in the midst of challenges, doing it alone is just foolish. We were meant for community with one another. And that's what Wild Spark is really about. 
we have a leadership development strategy or system that operates on a monthly cadence to where you are learning about topics like grit or how to handle conflict or give each other feedback or build teamwork or trust or empathy or learn about self-awareness or things like that. So there's going to be a topic that you go through self-paced, but then the most important part and what our clients are telling us is so great about it is that you come together with the team. So if your organization uses it with 500 people, you're split into, you know, 50 groups of 10 and you come together and meet about it. And you talk about good things, hard things, challenging things, and you learn from each other and ultimately create action steps and hold each other accountable. The best athletes, the best leaders, the best parents, mentors, whatever, have community around them that are supporting them. And that's how we want you to grow and lead. So if you're in a spot where um, you're thinking about leadership development for your people, um, I can't help you. I'm kidding. Please reach out to me. I'll leave it at that. Thanks. I think a big theme as I've studied this is it's really hard to build gritty leaders, but you don't have a chance at doing that if you're not gritty yourself. So oftentimes we want to lead other people. And I say this a lot, but you can't lead other people if you can't lead yourself first. And so as the book ends, it talks about um, the cost-benefit analysis versus identity. So oftentimes in our life, the way we make decisions is we run a cost-benefit analysis. Say like, what is the cost of this and, and will it benefit me? That's probably not the best way to explain it, but you know what I mean when I say that. But um, a gritty person, a lot of times they just do something because it's their identity. And so the way that that this gets broken down in the book, um, as I read it, it's a lot of times someone that says, um, I'm going to choose identity over the cost benefit analysis is asking yourself the question, who am I? What is the situation? And what does someone like me do in this situation? So next time you're in the middle of something hard, you say, who am I? What is the situation? And what does someone like me do in this situation? And that's where I just said, that's it. I mean, this book is this book is great. And I think no matter what, you can learn a lot from it. But here's the thing. Hey, everybody, quick message before we get into the fourth quarter of this episode. I've mentioned this before, but my faith in Jesus is a huge part of my life. And as I've studied grit, it's been really fascinating because Angela Duckworth, the expert on grit, I learned so much from her. But even in her TED, TED Talk, it ends with her kind of saying, we don't know all of the answers. We don't know exactly how to build gritty leaders. And I'm not about to tell you that like as a Christian, I know all the answers. I am far from knowing all the answers. I think one thing that's interesting is like as a Christian, I think a lot of the themes of passion and perseverance and commitment to something, even when it doesn't make sense, is a lot of like where I find peace and the ability to do that. And so I'm about to jump into that portion I never want this to be something that is uh, forced upon you or anything like that. And I, if you're not a Christian, I want you to enjoy this podcast. But I did just want to tell you that if you want to stop listening, that's okay. But I encourage you to, to keep on listening because um, I think this is where it gets good. At the end of the day, it's really hard for me to talk about leadership and grit without talking about Jesus uh, because he was so gritty and his followers were so gritty. Um, you know, it's really hard for me to not talk about that. So when I think about my identity, when I say, who am I? What does someone like me do in this situation? That's really what grit like means to me. And so um, Paul, uh, one, one of the, uh, a passage that he wrote was, I do all things. Um, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in his blessings. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize, run in such a way as to get the prize. 
Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, I'm not going to go into a whole sermon about this. I'm actually going to put one below called Olympic Spirituality by John Piper. I learned so much um, from him as I've gone through that. But one of the things that he talks about was Paul at one point was about to walk into his city. And I'm sorry, I'm not like quoting all the scripture passages and everything, but he said, Paul had been lashed with a whip 39 times, four different times up to this point. If you got lashed 40 times, you were actually supposed to die. So one lashing away from death four different times. And after he got lashed, he would spend the night in prison and his back would be jelly and he would be shivering with a fever all night long. And he knew that if he went to the city and preached the good news of the gospel, um, that he would be whipped, he would be beaten, and he would be put in prison yet again. And his body said, oh gosh, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. Um, but but in the passage in verse 27, when he says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that I may be able to preach to others. Um, that 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 is, I really think, what grit is. And um, for followers of Christ, I think we can all admit that it's really not us that chooses to persevere. It is Christ within us that gives us the ability to persevere when things get hard because we can look at the life of Paul. We can look at the life of Jesus that even in the midst of temptation, even when he was sitting on the cross and people were taunting him and saying, get down from the cross, prove us wrong. He had he was so humble um, to, not, to not do that um, because he loved us so much. And as we think about Christ's love for us, that is what gives me the um, the inspiration, the motivation, and the desire to persevere when things are hard, to love people even when they hate me, to work hard when I don't like it, to take care of my body even when I'm sore and when it hurts, to get up early in the morning and spend time with God before work because things are hard, even though I'm tired. And 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 that is the hope that I have in Jesus. Um, and, and if you don't know much about that, then please reach out to me and I would love to tell you more about that and love to give you resources towards it. Um, but I mean, that is where grit comes from. So I wasn't really planning on preaching here, but I obviously am already doing that now. So I have one more story for you. It's really cool how God works. As I was recording late last night, um, I hit pause um, as it was late on a Saturday night. I went to church this morning at the time of this recording, and I heard a story that I just had to share on the back end of this. And I just love how God um, brought this to mind because it's, it's just something that I think is really relevant to this topic of, of grit really talking about passion and perseverance. So in Luke 24, um, Jesus has um, already already died on the cross. We know that story. Never want to be numb to that, but we know that part of the story. And then we also know um, what what uh, what ended up happening in the end where Jesus ascended into heaven and he told the disciples to go and make disciples. And that's where you and me, and if you're not a follower of Christ, um, that's okay. I'm thankful you're listening, but that's where us as Christians are today, trying to make disciples. Well, in between um, his death and then asc- ascension into heaven, uh, there's this story that doesn't get a lot uh, of time on the highlight reel. Um, and um, so Cleopas is this guy, him and somebody else, it doesn't say exactly who, were walking away from Jerusalem um, and Jesus just appears. And it says in the scripture that they actually had no idea who he was. <laughs> and even though they had seen Jesus die, they just like couldn't even register that someone would rise from the dead. So they didn't know that it was him somehow. Uh, and so Jesus 
walks up and says, so what are you discussing? What are you talking about? And they look at him and say, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? Otherwise saying, how do you not know that Jesus just died? Like, are you kidding me? Ironically, it's literally Jesus himself. And so then Jesus goes, what things? And then they end up kind of moping and saying, well, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Um, and I just think it's crazy that they were literally saying this to him. Um, and then Jesus looks at them and says, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Um, and then he goes on and on and on to um, talk about what the prophets had spoken about how Jesus would rise from the dead. They end up breaking bread together. And then all of a sudden they see, they're like, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. And they believe him. And then Jesus is like, go back to Jerusalem. This is not over yet. And so they go back to Jerusalem and talk to the disciples. And I won't go into the rest of the story, but here is um, what I think we can learn from this. Because the story I told before about Paul just getting beaten and everything like that, um, that might not you be me and you in our lifetimes. And I think that this is a little bit more relatable here um, because so often, um, right before Jesus died, uh, they believed that like he was the king, that he was going to save them and everything. And so even though they were sad, like I think that they were like excited. They, they trusted him. They followed him and they said, this is our savior. So they were really happy um, to have Jesus. And then when we skip to the end, when Jesus ascends into, into heaven, they like understand what happens and they're followers of him and everything is great. But what are they doing in the middle? I think that's the question that you and me have to ask. And that's where grit comes into this. So often in our lives, we're waiting. We're waiting for the job that we wanted. We're waiting for the spouse that we've always wanted. We are waiting until um, we're not sick anymore. We're waiting until that person forgives us. Um, and I think that's where we always are going, God, why is this happening? And it's like, God, I love you, but I'm not going to fully praise you until you reveal to me why COVID happened, why my grandparent died, why hard things happen in the world. It's like we think that we're owed all of these explanations um, when really what grit is, is passion and perseverance. And what God wants us to say to see is how do we trust him in the waiting? Because the thing is, is so often we think in the waiting, in the middle, when those people were walking away from Jerusalem and they um, they were just upset and they were sad, they had given up. Like that's where we um, have opportunities to lean in and trust God the most. And I think so often we believe that God has left us, that God is not there, but really um, God is here the whole time. His presence is with us. And that's where we have to draw near to him and draw strength from him. And so I think that at the end of the day, when someone asks me, Hanton, how are you gritty? Well, the first answer is I am by no means perfect. <laughs> I, I struggle with this all the time. I am tempted to give up in certain areas and I certainly have, and I still do today, but spending time with God, being a follower of Jesus, what we are called to do is draw strength from him. Even when we're in the waiting and we don't understand what's happening, we are called to persevere and we can do that by drawing strength from him. And so I just wanted to share that story um, with, with you. Maybe you're in a period of time, you're going through something really hard and you're tempted to give up or you're angry with God. Um, but in the waiting, how can you persevere? And my encouragement would be to just run to the Father and draw strength from Him. All right, folks, it's time for your action steps. I have six of them. Number one, 
put your people first. Chick-fil-A is in the business of people. They do it through chicken sandwiches. There's no other way to have the growth and success and the gritty leaders that they do than putting your people first. Two, be supportive and demanding. There's a healthy balance there. Three, be a leader worth emulating. So before you ask other people to be gritty, ask yourself the question, what am I doing that is showing people that I'm gritty? What, do I want my people to act like me? Three, implement the hard things rule and you better do it with your people. Go through something hard together. Rewind if you need a reminder of how to do that. Four or five, be very serious about your core values. If you want to develop grit among your people, create core values around those and actually take them seriously. And then six, dare I say it, draw strength from God and push others to do so as well. Because ultimately that's where I believe the ability to persevere in the midst of hardship and trials comes from. I'll see you next week. It's time for you and me to wake up and lead.